Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative, because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our review of the first week of the Barrison trial with the completion of the testimony of Morris County forensic examiner and firearms expert William Stitt. On today's installment, we begin our coverage of week two of the trial with the testimony of Jason Gould, a detective with the Morris County Prosecutor's Office at the time of the Canarac shooting, who investigated the incident as part of the prosecutor's major crimes unit. That's all coming up right after the break. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. On the morning of April 4th, 2022, day six of the trial of Michael Barrison starts with Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn calling to the stand Detective Jason Gould of the Morris County Prosecutor's Office. Gould sports a crew cut with a tightly shaved salt and pepper beard. He is stocky and wears a gray suit, a white dress shirt, and a red tie. Prosecutor Shellhorn kicks off the morning's proceedings. Good morning, Detective. Good morning. Can you please introduce yourself again to the jury and tell them where you work? Sure. My name is Jason Gould. I'm a detective at the Morris County Prosecutor's Office. What is your current rank and assignment? I'm a detective. I'm assigned to the Specialized Crimes Division. Have you ever been assigned to any other units with the Prosecutor's Office? Yes. What units? The Major Crimes Unit and General Investigations Unit. Do you have any prior law enforcement experience before you joined the prosecutor's office? Yes, I do. I was a police officer in Randolph, uh, the Randolph Police Department, for approximately 11 years. I want to take your attention to August 7th of 2019. Were you working for the prosecutor's office at that time? Yes, sir. What unit were you assigned to at that time? The major crimes unit. Can you briefly explain to the jury what the responsibilities generally are of the major crimes unit. Yes, we respond to or investigate death investigations, homicide, shooting, suspicious death, suicide, drug-induced deaths, fatal motor vehicle crashes, bank robberies, aggravated assaults. At the time you were assigned to the major crimes unit in August of 2019, what was the typical dress or uniform? Uh, similar to how I'm dressed today, suit and tie. How does the major crimes unit from the prosecutor's office typically become involved in an investigation? Uh, generally, we are notified by a local municipality uh, and or the state police through the Morris County Communications Center if they're looking to speak with uh, an on-call detective of the unit. Now, specifically on August 7, 2019, at approximately 2.25 that afternoon, do you remember where you were? Yes, I was in the uh, major crimes squad room at the Morris County Prosecutor's Office. Who was the supervisor of the unit at the time? Sergeant Michael Puskas. At approximately that time on that day, did you become made aware of an incident in Washington Township? Yes. 
Can you very, very basically describe your understanding of the nature of the incident? Uh, we were advised that there was an active shooter uh, and there was one person who received uh, two gunshot wounds. At some point, were you given an assignment respective to that investigation? Yes, sir. What were you assigned to do? I was uh, asked to respond to the Morristown Medical Center. Do you know if any other members of the Major Crimes Unit were given different responsibilities? Yes, they were. Who made that decision? Sergeant Michael Puskas. Are you aware of what other agencies were involved in the investigation? Yes, the Washington Township Police Department and the Morris County Sheriff's Office. At some point, did you respond to the Morristown Medical Center? Yes, sir. Do you recall approximately what time you arrived there? I arrived at approximately 3.40 p.m. When you arrived, where did you go? To the ICU, intensive care unit. Were there any other law enforcement officers related to this investigation at the hospital at that time? Yes, sir. There was uh, Sergeant Burns of the Washington Township Police Department and uh, Detective Kovacs from the Morris County Sheriff's Office Crime Scene Investigations. And do you recall generally how they were dressed? Uh, they were both in uniform. Are you aware when you arrived whether any individuals were already at the hospital? Yes. On arrival, uh, I was advised that the victim of the shooting, uh, Lauren Karanick, was in intensive care. Approximately how long were you at the hospital overall on August 7, 2019? Approximately six hours. Now, at some point, did any other individual involved in this incident arrive at the hospital? Yes. Who was that? Uh, Michael Barrison. And do you see Michael Barrison in court today? Yes, I do. Could you identify that person by an article of clothing? Yes, he's seated at the table uh, wearing a white shirt, uh, yellow tie, has glasses on, and uh, long gray hair. I'll stipulate he's identified my client. Yes, he has, identifying the defendant, Michael Barrison, for the record. Are you aware of how the defendant arrived to the hospital? Yes, he uh, was transported from the scene in an ambulance. And do you know approximately what time he arrived at the hospital? He arrived at approximately 3.40 p.m. from what I recall. Do you recall if there were any law enforcement officers with him? Yes. Do you remember who that was? Yes, uh, there was Patrolman Barnes and Patrolman Hensley of the Washington Township Police Department. Do you recall how they were dressed? In full uniform. Do you know where the defendant was taken in the hospital? He was also taken ICU. Was the area where the defendant was taken nearby where Lauren Canerac was? Yes, it was. Can you describe that to the jury? Yes, uh, Mr. Barrison was taken to a room directly next to the room where Mrs. Karanek was. And where were you posted? In the hallway. What was your purpose in being there? Just to get uh, updates on both patients to be able to relay back to my chain of command. Was the area where the defendant was being treated open or closed? Closed. Was it closed with a door or something else? Uh, more or less a curtain. Were you able to see the defendant in the room at all? Yes. Can you describe his appearance for the jury? Yes. Um, he came in wearing no shirt and a pair of shorts. He had visible injury to his face, to his left arm, left abdomen. And where was he in the room? He was in a hospital bed. Was he restrained or handcuffed at all in the room? Yes, he was. Which uh, was it? Uh, he was handcuffed. Were medical personnel in the room at all? Yes. And did you observe generally what they were doing? Yes. What was that? Initially, just assessing him for his injuries and then subsequently treating him for his injuries. During the time that the defendant was in the room, did you overhear him make any statements? Yes, I did. You recall the statements verbatim or generally what the, the nature of the statements were? In general nature. Can you tell the jury what the statements that you overheard him making in a general sense were? 
Yes, uh, I heard him make two statements. One, uh, to the effect of they destroyed my life in the last six months, followed approximately one minute later by I had a good life. Uh, they took it all away. I'm sorry it happened. Do you recall how many times, uh, the approximate number of times that he said each statement? Once. Did you record those statements in any way? Yes, I noted them uh, on my field notes. Did you later add that into your formal police report? Yes, sir. How far would you estimate that you were from the defendant at the time you overheard those statements? Uh, approximately 10 to 15 feet. <clears throat> Did he make those statements in response to any questioning by you? No, sir. Did he make them in response to questioning by other law enforcement officers? No, sir. Did he make them in response to any medical personnel? No, sir. What was his appearance or demeanor during the time you observed him making this statement? Uh, he was cooperative, was expressing verbally that he was in pain. Did you have any issues understanding the words or language that he used? No. Are you aware during the time that he was being treated by medical personnel of whether they were administering any medications to him? Prior to the hospital, I can't, I can't say that. Uh, from but at the time that you were observing him getting treated in the room at the hospital? Yes, he was given medications for pain. Do you have any direct knowledge of what was administered? Yes, uh, just prior to making the initial statement, which I just uh, testified to, he was given a dose of fentanyl. Do you know that because you saw that or how I, do you know? I observed that and then asked, subsequently asked the hospital staff. And then after he was also um, continuing to verbally express that he was still in pain and he was given subsequent doses of what I was advised was uh, fentanyl and ketamine. So you don't know that? That was what was administered. That's just what you were told? Yes. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Prosecutor Shellhorn next asked Detective Gould about other aspects of the investigation of the defendant at Morristown Hospital. Were you present when the defendant was photographed and processed by CSI detectives? Yes, I was. you recall approximately what time that was? It was approximately 9 p.m. Did the CSI detectives uh, take possession of any items that came to the hospital with the defendant? Yes. And did they do that while you were still in the vicinity or the area? Yes. Do you recall in general what those items were? They just stuck uh, clothing. Shellhorn next presents the witness with an evidence bag containing the defendant's clothes. You could just open that bag and look inside and indicate whether or not that appears to be some of the items that were recovered at the time you were at the hospital? Yes. The items are admitted into evidence without objection. Detective, if you could just remove that item and show it to the jury, tell the jury what it is and show it to the jury. Part of a waist belt is the other part of the belt and then torn khaki pants. And are you aware of whether those were cut in your presence or outside your presence? Outside. Shellhorn then moves on to one final area of his direct examination of Detective Gould. Detective, you indicated that you were at the hospital for approximately six hours? Yes, sir. When you left the hospital, where did you go? I left the Morristown Medical Center and responded to the scene of the incident. And was that a 411 West 411 Mill Road? 411 West Mill Road in Washington Township, Morristown. When you got there, did you have any assignment at that location? Yes, uh, Sergeant Puskis requested that I assist uh, 
Detective Corporal Major Frieda of the Morris County Sheriff's Office Crime Scene Investigations to conduct a search of a vehicle at the scene. Do you recall what type of vehicle that was? This was a silver and color Dodge Ram pickup, four-door. Do you recall approximately where that was parked? Near the residence that the victim was residing in. Judge, no further questions. Thank you. Next, Judge Stephen Taylor invites defense attorney Edward Belinkus to question Detective Gould. Mark, cross-examination. Detective, you previously testified in the hearing with regards to this case, correct? Yes, sir. And were you given a transcript of, of, of that previous hearing uh, prior to your testimony today? Yes, sir. And you refused that with the prosecutor, correct? Yes, sir. Isn't it a fact that in that prior hearing, you testified that the fentanyl was given after the statements, correct? Initially, yes. And then, and correct me if I'm wrong, when I brought out your notes, it's clear from your notes that the fentanyl was administered prior to any statements, correct? A dose of fentanyl was given prior to the initial statement, yes. And when you say a dose, 100 milligrams of fentanyl was injected into Michael Barrasol prior to any statements, correct? Yes, sir. Now, you've been in law enforcement for how many years total? Uh, in January, I began 16, sir. And would you agree with me that it's important uh, when drafting a official report concerning an incident that it has to be accurate and contain as much detail as possible? Yes, sir. Now, when you got to the hospital, uh, there were already numerous other officers, correct? There was law enforcement there, yes. Were people talking about this case and what had happened back at uh, Michael Barrison's farm? Yes, that was something that was spoken about. Now, Michael Barrison was taken into a room. You've been shown the pants, which have been admitted into evidence. Was he wearing any shirt? Not that I recall. Now, those pants that you show to the jury, are there any holes in the groin area where Michael Barrison's legs would be? I would have to inspect them again, sir. Can you do that? Yes. The detective again inspects the defendant's clothing from the evidence bag. There are two tears in the pants that I see, in and close to the groin. Would those two tears be approximately where my hand is uh, on my leg? Approximately, sir. And for the record, I'm pointing to the upper groin area. Now, you indicated on direct when you saw Michael Barrison that uh, you observed numerous injuries, correct? Yes, sir. For instance, you observed his left arm, correct? Yes, sir. And would you describe it as uh, deformed? Yes, sir. Incapable of holding an item at that point based on your observations, correct? I couldn't say definitively, sir, but yes, he had an injury to his left arm. A severe injury based on your observations, correct? Significant, yes. Now, he also had injuries to his face, correct? Yes, sir. Were both his eyes blackened? Yes, sir. Did he have a gash over his right eye? Yes, sir. Were both his e ears swollen and cut up? Yes, sir. Did one look like it was almost cauliflower, swollen, uh, closed? They did appear to have swelling, yes. Did you see uh, an injury to his side area uh yes like uh, an abrasion an abrasion or numerous abrasions abrasions and bruises abrasions sir now when you got there michael barrison was being treated by a number of paramedics correct he was treated during the transport 
and he was treated by Kimberly Head and a Daniel Vitale, correct? Yes, sir. Now, when you were there, did you hear Michael Barrison at any point in time say that he didn't recall the event that had just taken place? No, sir. Not specifically. I'm going to show you what has been marked D10F and ask you to take a look at this. I'm aware of it. Judge, while the detectives are viewing that, can we be heard at sidebar? Sure. During the sidebar, the prosecutor objects to the defense line of questioning, presumably on hearsay grounds, but Judge Taylor allows Edward Belinkus some leeway to clarify how Detective Gould came to note a statement from the defendant that he had not actually heard. Overruled. Do you recall Michael Barrisone saying that he didn't recall what happened? I understand that's in my notes, sir, but that wasn't something that I heard him say directly. In speaking with the officers, I believe that's where that note came from, but not from anything I heard him say directly. How many officers told you that Michael Barrisone had... That's, that's hearsay, Mr. Malikas. a number, Judge. Well, it's, it's still hearsay. The witness said... He, he didn't hear it himself. It, it came from other people, so... I'm I, just I, asking how many people well, it's, it's so, regarding that. Well, did you hear multiple officers? Did you speak to multiple officers about things Mr. Barrasso may have said? I spoke to officers, Judge, about what took place at the scene. How many officers... Uh, just tell me, how many officers did you speak to about what happened at the scene? From Washington Township, at this point, there were three officers there. Now, you didn't put that in your report, correct? No, sir. Now, prior to any statements that you did hear, would you agree with me that Michael Barrison was in excruciating pain? He was expressing the fact that he was experiencing pain, yes, sir. And what, if anything, did you observe with regards to his demeanor with regards to being in pain? Again, he was verbally expressing that he was looking for something to treat the pain he was experiencing. When, when someone touched him or, or, or came near his, his arm, you know, did he make facial expressions? Did he indicate from his expressions or his, his actions that he was in serious pain? From his expressions, yes. Now, would you agree with me that you took detailed copious notes, correct? Yes, sir. And when I say detailed and copious, you make specific references with regards to exact times when things happen or you observed, correct? Yes. You, you put the exact time he arrived at the hospital, 1520, correct? That was my arrival, sir. Are, are you reading from his notes or refreshing his memory? I'm just asking him if he wrote. It's like, it looked like you were reading his notes. So if you, if you want to refresh his memory, you can do so. <coughs> you put in an exact time when Michael Barrison got there, correct? Yes, sir. Exact times when other officers from Washington Township arrived, correct? Yes. You literally wrote down every detail that you observed contemporaneous with what you observed, correct? Yes, sir. Now, how many days did you write your official report after the incident? My report was drafted the next day, sir. When's the date of the report? Are you asking the date on the actual report? The date on the actual report. That's the date that my supervisors approve it, not the date that I completed it, sir. Is there anything on the report that indicates the date that you completed it? On the report? Sir, no. Anywhere. Is there anything to indicate that you did the report prior to October 23rd? 
Again, sir, that date on the report is the date it was approved by a supervisor, not the date that I completed it, or not the date that I typed it, if that's what you're at. I'm gonna... Did you make a, uh, a rough draft of that report? Yes, there was a draft of the report before it's approved. Okay, and, and where is that rough draft of the report that you made earlier than the date that was approved? It's typed on that report through our info share system. And when you say a supervisor had to approve it. Did someone from your office go over the report to make sure that it was accurate and correct? A supervisor has to approve it, yes, sir. And, and what are they approving? I can't testify as to what they're looking at in the report, sir. What's the purpose of a supervisor, to your knowledge, reviewing a report before it's submitted? To review what is contained within the report. And has the supervisor ever told you to take something out or include something prior to it being submitted as a, an official report? It's a pen, sir. It has happened, though, correct? Or something is amended in the report? Yes. Yes. Now, Michael Barrison, and correct me if I'm wrong, at 1356 made the first statement that you testified to, correct? That's not correct, sir. It's a clerical error. Now, when you say clerical error, whose clerical error is it? It's my report, sir. Did your supervisor pick up that clerical error and talk to you about it? I can't testify as to what they did or didn't do, sir. What time did Michael Barrison make the statement that you just talked to? That would be... destroyed my life in the last six months. That would have been at 15, 56 hours. So, 3.56 p.m. So... Your report is inaccurate, correct? That time should be thir uh, 1556, sir. And when did you realize that there was a clerical error in your report? Uh, after it was approved, sir. And at any point in time, did you seek to address that, that issue and change the report to reflect the accurate time? No, sir. Is there anything else in that report that's inaccurate? No, sir. Now, before the first statement, You've testified that Michael Barrison received fentanyl, correct? Yes, sir. And he also received fentanyl and ketamine after that statement, correct? Yes, sir. And soon after that, isn't it a fact that... Soon, soon, soon after what? You mentioned two things, fentanyl and then fentanyl and ketamine. So specify what you're talking about, please. Soon after the second injections of fentanyl and ketamine, he basically passed out, correct? Yes, he became, uh, uh, it appeared like in a state of sleep. Now, when you first saw Michael Barrison, was he incoherent? I wouldn't describe it as that, no, sir. Now, you testified to a second statement, correct? Yes, sir. And you testified, correct me if I'm wrong, that at some point in time, Michael Barrison said he was sorry, correct? Yes, sir. And you put that in the official report, correct? Yes, sir. Now, can you tell me whether or not anywhere in the notes that you took on the day in question, contemporaneous with what was going on, did you include in your notes anywhere that he said, I'm sorry? After that note of that statement, no, sir. I'm referring to the notes that you took at the time of the incident, correct? Yes, in, in my notes, after that, no, it's not in my notes. When you say after that, I want to make sure I'm clear on this point. 
in your official notes, isn't it a fact that nowhere is there any reference to Michael Barrison saying the words, I'm sorry? In my notes, no, it is not, sir. But the other two specific statements, word for word, are included, correct? Yes, in my notes, sir. And in your official report, correct? Yes, sir. Now, you indicated you were standing outside of the area where Michael Barrison was being treated. You don't recall the exact words of what he said, correct? No, the statements were made in effect. They weren't made directly to me, sir. Was he talking to anyone or was he just talking to himself? He was speaking out loud, sir. Was he talking to anyone based on your observations? At which point, sir? At any point with respect to him making any statements? The statements? The statements that you've testified to. Was he talking to anyone? Hold on a second. Just for clarification, maybe a little confusion. Okay. Whether he's, this witness may not know whether he was speaking directly to someone when he was uttering those statements. Perhaps the better question is, was there anyone present around his bedside? Was he being treated at that time when he okay. spoke? Just so we avoid confusion. Where, where was Michael Barrison when he made the first statement about these people destroying his life? They were all made while he was in his hospital bed. And were people around him? Yes, sir, a medical personnel there, sir. Were they asking him questions, or was he just making these statements without any questions? They weren't prompted by any specific question by anyone, sir. Edward Belinkus next shows Detective Gould a series of photographs of the defendant's injuries purely to refresh the witness's memory of how the defendant appeared when he was at the hospital on the night of the incident. Do you have a chance to take a look at those? Yes, sir. Are they consistent? with your observations of the injuries that Michael Barrison suffered on that day? Yes, sir. Now, you testified that that one statement in your notes that uh, you didn't include in your report was something someone else told you, correct? Which statement specifically, sir? The statement with regards to I don't recall. Yes, sir. In your four pages of notes, is there any other reference to anything that anyone else told you during your time at the hospital. I'd have to review them, sir. Can you? Detective Gould again reviews his report of the incident, and Edward Belinkus follows up with a few more questions about that report. I mean, on the first page, scuffle. Don't, don't, don't oh, read sorry. it out loud. Okay. If it's from someone else, what yes. someone else told you, it's hearsay. But there is some reference about something that someone else told you. Just answer yes or no. Yes, sir. Fine. What's the next question? I'm done. Prosecutor Shellhorn rises for a brief redirect. You were asked some questions about times that were in your notes in your reports? Yes, sir. And I think you testified on direct examination about the approximate time that you arrived to Morristown Medical Center? Yes, sir. And I'm going to direct you to what should be coming up in front of you as S-149. Do you see that? Yes. Is that a copy of the report that you were discussing earlier on cross-examination? Yes, sir. And if uh, we look on page one in the narrative section, does that indicate approximately what time you arrived at Morristown Medical Center? Yes, sir. What time is that? Approximately 15, 20 hours. And for those of the jury who are not familiar with 24-hour time, what time is 15, 20 in 12-hour time? Uh, 3.20 p.m. Now, scrolling down to page two of that report, you were asked questions about the times that you overheard the defendant make certain statements? Yes, sir. And does it indicate 
on that page approximately halfway down when you observed or overheard him make those statements? Yes, sir. What is the first time that's typed there in your report? It's typed fifth, uh, 1356 hours. Which would be what time in 12 hours? Uh, 156 p.m. What time was the second statement typed in? Uh, 1557 hours. Which is what time? 357. So is it fair to say that you did not hear the defendant make a statement at 156 that afternoon before you arrived to this hospital? That's correct, sir. And that's what you're indicating with a clerical error or yes, mistake in your, in your record. No further questions, Judge. Uh, you may step down. Thank you. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we examine the testimony of Washington Township Police Officer Jason Hensley, who was among the early responders to the 911 call reporting a shooting at the Barrison farm. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. 